Welcome everyone to EMDR Chat with Kurt and Michelle. I'm Dr. Curtis Rousen. And I'm Dr. Michelle Gottlieb. Michelle, you know, these podcasts are becoming addicting. I, Kurt, I'm so excited that you said that because guess what we're talking about today? What? We're, we're talking about addiction. Awesome. Uh-huh. So we often have people ask us about EMDR therapy and addiction. And the first question people ask is, can EMDR therapy treat addiction? Well, I, I say it like this. I said EMDR treats the trauma that's responsible for the addiction in the first place. Right? And so that, I think, is where the confusion is for a lot of people. And it, it's just the model that a lot of people are in, and that that's fine. But that first I have to treat the addiction before I can treat the trauma. Oh, there's the rub, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what we do, any addiction is a solution to something. Mm-hmm. It's altering a state of consciousness, probably out of pain. And so what we often have done for years in recovery is that we've removed people from their addiction. That is, we've removed their solution. And we told them they had to kind of white knuckle it for a while before we could ever even look at the trauma that may have caused them to use in the first place. Mm-hmm. And as you know, for, it's only more recently now that recovery programs are looking at trauma in their own recovery process. It was usually right. the substance itself and creating ways of coping without the substance rather than going to the cause of why the substance was used in the first place. Right. So, and that's what the confusing point part is for so many people is that I have to get my client sober before we can start doing the trauma work. And what we're proposing, and we're not the first ones to propose it by any in order to for them to maintain their sobriety. Exactly. It's uh, very difficult for anyone to move through sobriety uh, unless they do trauma work. Now, there are many people through AA and things will tell you that uh, they've done that. But increasingly now in the recovery world, as you know, Uh, the trauma piece is being at least observed and talked about. And EMDR certainly can be a very important piece of that. Right. Which kind of goes to the next question, too, that a lot of people have, which is, um, well, how long does someone need to be sober before we can start? And the reality is they may not be sober. I always say that I ask for, you know, 24 hours, I'll take 12. I'll take, they woke up in the morning and haven't used anything yet. But we're not looking for long-term sobriety yet. Exactly. Um, just be as aware as they can be in the session. They may they may use after they leave. <clears throat> but uh, while we're processing, what we're hoping to do is that they have a clearer mind to do that work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and another really big fear that people have is, okay, if I've got a client who's been maintaining sobriety for you know, X number of hours, days, weeks, months. But if we start doing this work, what if they relapse? Well, they'll relapse whether we do the work or not. Right. Uh, that's the truth. Uh-huh. I think it was, it was our friend Susan Brown says mm-hmm. they're going to relapse anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she's worked in addictions for years. And I think that's true. I think we have to give informed consent, letting them know that the fact that we're going after some of these traumatic experiences that may have led to their substance use in the first place may make it um, 
making them vulnerable to relapse. But we also need to make sure that they're surrounded by their support groups, whether it be AA, whether it be a recovery program or whatever it is, a sponsor, uh, whoever that might be. But that's what we do anyway, whether we're trying to do with the trauma or not. We try, we, if we try to avoid the relapse, we'll never get down to the cause they used right. in the first place. So it's really important as you're doing this work that you know, we talk about when we're doing trauma work in general, that they need to be well resourced, that they need to have internal and external um, resources and structures and, and ways to help cope with life. But that's, you know, we've talked about this in a previous podcast as well, of like, okay, so I need to resource them to death before I start doing the work then, right? Well, no, not necessarily, right? Enough to start the work, not to finish the work. You know, as we say, in our trainings, it's just got to be good enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't insulate them from all um, falls and, uh, you know, relapses. But what we can do is try to insulate them good enough to increase the probability that they can move through the process with the least amount of relapse or that uh, we can expect. You know, um, one of the things that we also often... Um, get asked is, does it matter what they're addicted to about how we might work with them? Well, that's a good question, you know, because when you think about addictions, whether it's a substance, whether it be alcohol, whether it's pornography or shopping or uh, gambling. Or gaming, the, which is a big one now. Or, or the gaming. Yeah, mm -hmm. the new ones, the, the digital um, mm -hmm. uh, kind of... A, um, Assess, uh, obsession that people, many of the people having kids have today, that becomes like it becomes an addiction. I think mm -hmm. a, dig, a digital addiction was once uh, thought about put in the DSM. But uh, all addictions have similarities. Right. The substance may be different, but the all all addictions have similarities. What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are kind of building on what you said before. If someone is the numb out to separate to not no longer be involved with whatever that trauma history is and um now, in fairness we do know there are certain drugs that you know you take them once and there is a physiological addiction so we know that but that's a different category of what we're talking about um but because the trauma was so overwhelming outside of their window of tolerance more than they could cope with they had to find a way to cope and um, and addiction was a great way to do it. Um, so as they're doing their addiction, which is their coping mechanism, and as we start building new coping mechanisms, healthier ones, and dealing with the trauma so they don't have to hide from it anymore. So it doesn't matter which addiction we're talking about. It really doesn't. They all serve the same purpose. And you know... When I think about working with addiction, I tell people all the time, I, do, I don't work with addictions. I only right. deal with the trauma that caused them. Um, but there's kind of a two-level approach, I think, with uh, addictions. And tell me what you think, Michelle. Is that hmm. on the one hand, we need to deal with the trauma that, that gave rise to the need to use and abuse uh, whatever they're abusing. But secondly, you know, it was A.J. Popke's work <clears throat> in what was called the Detour Protocol, where he had the audacity to target the urge to use. Who'd have thought 
right. that, you know, we people, you don't want them to think about when AJ would say, think about, you know, the, the strongest urge you've had to use heroin. They thought, no, no, you shouldn't do that. AJ thought out of the box and he found by targeting the urges with eye movements that he was able to break the connection between the euphoria of the urge and the substance. And it, it was just a, a, a connection, things that were neurons that fire together, wired together. And so there's dealing with the trauma that gives rise to the substance abuse or the addiction. And there's also the ability to target the urge to do it itself, which I think is brilliant with what AJ's protocol is about. And I've heard uh, Dr. Deborah Silveria put it this way, of it, there's both a push and a pull mm-hmm. for addiction. And, you know, that, that er, drugs, whatever, again, whatever the drug is, whatever the addiction is, it feels good, yeah. right? We get the endorphins. It feels good. And so we need to acknowledge that there, there is an urge to use. And uh, Popke's Detour Protocol, which is brilliant, um, and allows us to reprocess through that urge so that pull isn't so hard, so, isn't so high anymore. Exactly. And it, you know, it, it is difficult. I mean, if you're dealing with an alcohol addiction, for example, you can, you cannot drink. That is a possibility. But if it is a food addiction, that is a lot harder. So if we can get that urge down for uh, disordered eating, mm-hmm. um, but they can still, that's the, oh, and uh, this is where um, AIP, adaptive information processing, the the model that AI that it supports EMDR therapy, is so brilliant. And what we see is that the brain is designed to heal. It's designed to get to an adaptive resolution. So as we work through those urges and through those traumas, right? And you can doing both back and forth. That the brain gets to using eating. Uh, disordered eating as an example, gets to that adaptive resolution of being able to eat in a healthy manner. Right. Wow. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's it, it can be used for what it's meant to be used with, and that is for fuel instead of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the stuffing of emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's a good example of how, when you say, are all addictions the same? And, and the, the dynamic is, but... They're not all the same. Just like you said, food is necessary. And so you can't avoid food. You can't avoid alcohol. You can't avoid, you can't avoid heroin. Uh, you can't avoid shopping. But food, that's, that's been, that can be a tough one. That can be a really tough one. And let me just throw one other thing out. Just throw this into, yeah. the, into the mix. You know, the other thing is that, that this, the urge to use in addictions, uh, what might be similar to the obsessions in OCD. And, I know, isn't that interesting? And targeting the obsession's urge, the urge to obsess, and how that might change how we deal with OCD. If you think about it from the AIP model of, in a sense, all urges being equal. Right. And there is starting to be more and more um, evidence that the detour model that we talked about before, which is an urge reduction protocol um, based on AIP, based on EMDR therapy. Um, it is part of EMDR therapy that using detour for those folks who suffer from OCD and those compulsions, right? That it's been very effective. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. 
The brain, mm-hmm. as uh, Dr. Daniel Amen says, the brain is a sneaky organ. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Now, I'm going to tell you, Kurt, I don't know if you've had the same experience, that when I talk to people that I consult with and I tell them everything we just said, right? And then the question is, because, again, people are, are naturally, we're... we're um, I don't want to say we're stuck in our old paradigm, but we're stuck in our old paradigm. <laughs> and I have, I, it's not uncommon. And I, I say all this and they look at me and go, so we treat the addictions first. Yeah. Right. And so to really encourage people, this is that paradigm shift that we keep going on about. It's not, don't get caught up in the symptoms. This is, uh, Kurt, we did a I don't know, first or second podcast we did, and we talked about different diagnoses right. and the, you know, the diagnoses are the symptom, but not the issue. Right. Right. Yes. That it, it, that the symptoms, whether whatever diagnostic category they come in with anxiety disorder, depressive disorder or addictions, that those are symptoms. Mm-hmm. And that from our perspective, from the IP model, that what we're looking at in these diagnostic categories are simply the symptoms of how that individual expresses their trauma. So underneath all of that is a trauma base. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what AIP model is, is telling us. So, yes, uh, we, teach, we, we treat the addiction first by not looking at the substance as the issue, but the trauma that gives rise to the need for that substance. You realize we're, we're like probably rocking some people's worlds right yeah, now. Yeah, well, it's not the first uh-huh. time. Right. <laughs> and again, I mean, the, the, and oh, let me add one other thing that I've seen a lot more of. You had talked about within the treatment community, people are doing EMDR therapy a lot more. So a question that also gets asked is, well, when can we start? And the answer is, as long as they're out of detox, I mean, they could, they could still be in the 30 day program, right? They could still be in rehab. They can start doing reprocessing now. Yes, and depending upon the where they are located, you know, I think it was uh, Susan Brown that said, you know, you can't do it during detox because their their brains all fumbled up anyway, and it's not going to be helpful. But if they're in a three day program, there there are uh, things we can do with the MDR, such as eye movement desensitization (EMD), which keeps things structured very very tightly for someone in a short period of time. You may have them under. Uh, your roof and able to work with them, you can still get work done in a very uh, measured way. Mm-hmm. And if they, you know, depending on, again, it, the clinical decision points that any cl- good clinician is always going to be making, what is our client ready to do and um, what are those resources are like? But imagine, and we're quoting Sue a lot here, yeah. that you could actually get through one trauma target and what difference that would make for them when they're out in the world again. Yeah. It, it begins that little thing that all um, people need in their life, and it's called hope. Hmm. You know, and we talked about Susan. I, I just have to go back to uh, for our the listeners to talk about the work that she and Sarah uh, Gilman did in the Washington Drug Court uh, research, where they took patients that were uh, required to go through drug court, I believe, or go to jail, and put them uh, in this program that they experimented with where they took a group, a control group, where basically their regular program was utilized. And then in the uh, experimental group, they did weeks of uh, seeking safety, which is a stabilization model. 
and then EMDR as part of their treatment program. And the results of it showed very clearly that the individuals that were in the EMDR experimental group, that they stayed in treatment and they also had far less recidivism upon ending their program as those that were under the other uh, normal way of dealing with addictions that we often see in recovery. So that was a very important uh, and very historical study that they did. And as long as we're quoting Sue Brown, I think we should keep doing that. Okay. Something else that Sue it, talks about. It would about. embarrass her. That's it. <laughs> I know. I know. We have to make sure she listens to this podcast. Yeah. That's obviously something we have to do. Um, Sue also talks about what addiction really is, is a disease of attachment, that you don't have that attachment. You don't have that connection. And if you think about addiction that way, we go right back to that trauma history. If there wasn't that attachment, that tra- that that attachment bond with a caregiver or whatever that was, if we can do reprocessing and really help people heal that, then they don't have to be addicted anymore. Yeah. The, the cool? cure for addiction is to resolve the trauma and to be connected in relationship. Right. All right. So other than completely embarrassing Sue, which we will have to do... Um, we're almost at the end of our time. Kurt, was there anything else you wanted to throw in before we start ending? No, I think that covers it, Michelle. This has been a very okay. addicted and addicting podcast. It, and I hope it continues to be addictive for many years to come. Right. Um, I do want to say to all of our listeners, we really do appreciate um, that you listen to us, and we appreciate that you follow us, and we appreciate if you share us with other people. And in order to show our thanks, we're giving you a coupon um, that is good for 10% off off of anything off of the emdrprofessionaltraining.com website. So the coupon is EMDRCHAT10, E-M-D-R-C-H-A-T-1-0, EMDRCHAT10. And you can go to emdrprofessionaltraining.com and find something that you that excites you. So, again, thank you all for listening. We really do appreciate it. That's right. Thank you all. Until next time. See you then. Take care.